If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, along of to Siren and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabians, we hear them telling our own tongue, telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Um, if you ever want to know the real reason why we use a scripture reader, it's so that I don't have to pronounce <laughs> those words. So thank you for doing such a good job. Uh, the vision of the kingdom of God um, is for every tongue and for every tribe to confess that Jesus is Lord. And this is a vision of the kingdom that has existed from the very beginning. It's not even just a New Testament idea, but it's just the way it was God's plan from the very beginning. And you even pick up on this uh, as you read through the Old Testament um, in Isaiah 49.6. Let me switch mics here. God says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel. Basically saying, my vision's way, way bigger than just this one group of people. I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach, here's a good phrase, end of the earth. And that's exactly what Jesus said when he gathered his disciples together that was read to us and and commissioned them. He says, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. And then the spirit fell in a dramatic way, which we're going to touch on more next week and all the implications of that. Um, but one of the things I want to highlight today is the fact that this, this spirit, when it came down, it was, it was poured upon all flesh. And it was just so happened. I mean, God's sovereignty. All these nations of the world were gathered uh, together and and then as the, as the church would move on, as, as we go through actual, you'll see this. It takes the early church a while. They struggled uh, to see the gospel go to other nations, just like sometimes we have the same kinds of struggles, which we're 
going to chat about a little bit today. But, but the trajectory of the Spirit was to move them out uh, to more and more to, to other nations. And as, as the early church submitted themselves to the Spirit, that's exactly what happened. And again, we'll, we'll go through that uh, as we go through the book of Acts together. And uh, this was something that the early church began to realize, that, that really the work of the gospel wasn't just individual salvation, although that happened, but it, it was producing a new community, um, something known as one new man, something where it wasn't just about, uh, it wasn't just a Jewish thing, it wasn't just about a race, but it was about all the peoples of the earth coming to know the saving grace and, and, and being this people. Paul said it this way. Uh, he says, for he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace who has made us both one. Now, when the Bible speaks of both, basically the, in this context, there was the Jewish people and then there was the Gentiles. And Gentiles are basically everybody who wasn't Gentile. So when you see um, God has made us one in, in, in place of the two. The two just basically means everyone else. Okay. And so has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility that he may create in himself. There it is. One new man in place of the two, therefore making peace. And tomorrow, um, you know, you get a day off, but the world celebrates Martin Luther King Day. And, um, and this was his vision that he lived for and died for. This, this vision that is all throughout the Bible, this vision that uh, Paul lays out, this vision that we're going to read about as we study the early church, is that he, he had this vision um, to, to see us live this out. Now, so when we talk, when we, so, so today, we're going to talk a little bit about Martin Luther King, not because we lift up uh, another man, because there's only one person we lift up here, and that's Jesus, but because he grabbed a hold of this vision in a unique way and was really helpful uh, for the church and America uh, uh, of getting a hold of what the Bible has talked about, and that is not just simply that racism and hatred is wrong. I think that's obvious but and, and antithetical to the gospel, but that really this is about cultures coming together, and this is about sharing each other's, this is about being a part of each other's lives. This is about having, uh, doing life together. So with that, I thought it'd be cool uh, to interview some local pastors. I, um, I called up a few friends of mine, specifically African-American pastors, and just have a conversation about race, about the legacy of Martin Luther King, and about the resources that we have in the gospel to do better. And so I gathered together in this room and um, we had this conversation together. We got it filmed. And I want to show you 30 minutes of that, of that conversation. Let me just warn you, the, 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 the audio on it isn't as amazing as we would have hoped it would have been, but it, the content is great. So we, I want to share this with you today. So, but let me introduce uh, the cast of characters before we uh, cue the video here. Uh, the, one of the guys that on this, you'll see on this video, his name's Kempton Turner. And he planted a church in East St. Louis called City of Joy Fellowship a couple years ago. Uh, he's a great guy. We've, we've had some good times together. He's, I had him speak at our leadership conference um, to, other, to other lead pastors uh, last fall. He was just fantastic. Uh, Curtis Gilbert, uh, he is the preaching pastor over at The Journey. They've got locations east and west and north, basically wherever there's a Walgreens. And... Uh, <laughs> And then the last guy here is this guy I've just met re as of late. His name's Darnell West. Now, this is an interesting guy. He's from North City, right? But he planted a church in Arnold, Missouri. 
which is fascinating. And he also has, they also have a location. It's um, called Church in Action. They also have a location in, in Forsyth, Missouri, where I'm, uh, where I was, where I'm from. And then um, they're getting ready to plant one here in South City, and as well as Festus, Missouri. Again, I don't know. I don't know where he got his strategy, but anyway, he's a great guy. So these are the guys that are on this video. We just had a great time together. Um, I mean, it was, I mean, this is kind of like, this is a conversation, like this is, this is a sneak peek of you guys and what it, maybe an elders meeting might be like. And we just, we just talked about these issues. And I think it'd be really beneficial for us to hear and really grab a hold of. And I would even say take notes because there's some things in here that I think will really help us to build uh, the kind of church that we want to build, which is why we're going through Acts. And so I think you're going to be very blessed by watching this today. Well, here we just want to have a conversation about race. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. But also, I just want to go ahead and just say thank you for what you're doing in our city. Uh, I follow you guys. I follow what you're doing. And uh, just a real blessing uh, to our city. So thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, so let's get into about race. When you look at society, where have you seen us progress, and where do you where are you seeing us fall short in, in the vision that we had? Man, yeah, you know, as a black man, I just look at uh, it's it's easy for me to see the ways that we have progressed. I mean, I roll through areas, whether it's you know the back streets of Illinois with cornfields and. And uh, I, I have uh, less likely of a chance to be lynched mm-hmm. as my uh, forefathers. And I praise God because that's a result of King's yeah. uh, justice advancing causes. Yeah. I mean, I think of uh, eating at restaurants, you know, uh, not having to sit in certain sections, not having to drink at certain water fountains. Um, I think of my daughter, Kalia, and uh, a little blind-haired friend, Delaney Joe, that they get to giggle and play at our church uh, and become close friends as a result of uh, King's vision to see justice expanded beyond one race. So um, I taste the fruit of that progress, and I'm thankful, thankful for it, my personal I feel like just a lot of walls concerning um, uh, just race, uh, has I feel like a lot of them have fallen down. On the flip side, uh, you asked what are some of the things, you know, areas that we yeah. haven't. I think because racism now is um, the face of racism and change and the scope of it, I think back then you could see it, it was everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, it's different because although you can't see it, it's still lurking. Yeah. And then yeah. situations will happen. You'll see it rear its head up again. Yeah. And and the I guess the thing that's kind of bad about this because because we don't see it, especially as you know we're all pastors, because we don't see it, and because we don't see it in our churches or things like that, we tend to think that nobody in the congregation is right. dealing with right. it yeah. because we never see it. Yeah. But then situations happen, elections happen stuff happens in the city and we start seeing it. We see it in posts on Facebook. We see it in the way we engage kind of um, passive aggressively with one another. And so one of the ways I feel like that we've, if you will, not progressed is that we've kind of not had conversations about it because we don't see it and it's not as, if you will, 
well, I should say, in recent times, we've seen it a little bit more, but right, right. it's it's not been as prominent uh, as it was then. Yeah. And so there's a there's a, um, a temptation not to think it's a problem anymore. Yeah. Right, right. So we have, I mean, in the gospel, we have resources. We have the love of Christ. We, so why is it, why do you think that the church is flagging in this area? <laughs> <laughs> I think that many times as the church, we get so enamored in giving answers that we forget to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. uh, so if if I can concentrate on giving the answers and you live, leave or live fully, you know, feeling full, but I never ask you the questions that, that may challenge uh, some areas that you may be comfortable in, some areas that there may be strongholds in then it can kind of just slide by, you know. Um, I think love, asking the Holy Spirit to fill us with love and courage, because whenever you are addressing an issue that has the kind of generational, yeah. deep-seated, yeah. uh, um, hostile, yeah. Images of lynching and slaves. I mean, this is a hard topic, I would think, especially for white brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So I want to be gracious and merciful and encourage, uh, particularly white brothers and sisters, to pray for the courage to ask the right, yeah. right questions and to move uh, into some spaces with yeah. brothers and sisters that don't look like them. And, uh, one of the reasons there hadn't been progress is just because of the, the, the painful yeah. history mm -hmm. and the kind of wounds that um, approaching this subject yeah. digs back up. Yeah. But God gives us grace. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this is a good question. I think one of the things, I don't know how to frame the question, but one of the things that I think of that I've just challenged to myself and on that same lens, when God talks about just the image of God, so often I think I think we often divide with even just the issues of race. We're, we're dividing over, hey, how do we define sanctity of life, right? And how do we define image of God? And and then it, is my view a holistic, robust view of sanctity of life? So this sanctity of life falls on sanctity okay, right? And so and so often when we talk about blacks and whites. Oftentimes, we fall on different sides of the line. Yeah. One is fiercely passionate about life in the womb, yeah. and one is fiercely passionate about life outside the womb. Yeah. But the gospel and the Bible doesn't give you extra freedom from either one. Yeah. It says both, from the womb to the tomb, yeah. that sanctity of life, and are you giving yourself towards that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're called to do, is challenge and ask ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, some would think that there are, you know, issues of justice can somehow be a distraction to what the gospel is. Help, help us, like, see that, you know, are those things the same thing? Are they, are they opposites? Are they, are they opposed? Are they a distraction? We're blessed with a book that gives us 66 books, and we get to know the story from beginning to end. And so the, at the essence of justice, one is no doubt an implication of the gospel, right? That, 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 the gospel absolutely is the Lord saving individuals by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. But the individuals with 
say to them, to the people, corporate people, to then move out to be saw in light, to, to, to push back darkness and bring forth good. Right, so if the world was the world was 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 submitted under the foot of Jesus Christ and was put in the order of how He would see fit from creation. That's what restoration gives us. So what we're doing now is we're looking at Revelation and seeing all that will be uh, restored and bringing previews into the now, and that's justice. That that, that it's not simply about justice; it's about the glory of Jesus Christ, and He is seeking to bring life into that. Death, bring light into darkness, and we are then called out to say, "Okay, how do we do that? No, we can't do it. We're not going to be able to do it all, all right? That's the, that's the glory of God and His, his omnipotent and cover whatever. But but we ought to put our hands to what do we do to bring the glory of Jesus that it touches everything? It touches orphans. It touches abortion. It touches uh, sex trafficking. It touches everything, including race. Uh, and I think I think when you have a view like that. That justice is definitely not a distraction from the gospel. Yeah. I mean, it's the essence of it. Amen. This brother has got to preach it. I know, it's what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Hey, that's no, that's that's good, man. Praise God. What, so let's just talk about St. Louis. Let's talk about the church. Like, what is your hope um, for just, you know, you don't pastor every church, I know that. And not yet anyway. Uh, but like where do you like looking at St. Louis, looking at the spiritual condition of St. Louis it, through the lens of race, like what is your hope for us in the coming decade, let's say? That's a good question. I think my hope is that the church begins to engage in more conversations like this. Because there's a difference in worshiping together and being together. There's a big yeah, difference between those two things. Yeah. And I've learned that we can come to the table like this. We can we can talk together. We can worship together. But until there's some type of communion between us, until there's some type of we're partaking of each other's life, that um, and I don't think we can really go in this deep in relationship as we really should because um, because at the end of the day, after Sunday, we, we go back to our homes, we go back to our jobs, we go back to jokes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That, that we've been laughing at. Do we still laugh at it? Mm -hmm. does, does my relationship with you uh, change the way I see, the way I function? Mm -hmm. And I believe at the end of the day, our fellowship with Christ, but also our fellowship with one another yeah. ought to change yeah. what we laugh at and change how we walk. And so, but I don't, I don't think that happens until conversations happen and we partake in each other's life. Yeah. I had a lady, um, we, we pioneered our church in an area of town, no black person had ever pioneered a church. I'm the first guy. I didn't know it, I wouldn't have went if I had known it. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is this, um, we've had several things like this. Our, that particular campus is about 95% Caucasian. And um, and I've had several people come up to me and say, Pastor, I love this. I love this congregation. I, I, I love the people here. I love you. I love your wife. But I can't come here because my, my family is prejudiced. I can't come here because my friends are prejudiced and they're on me about coming here. And, 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 and I'm sorry. I love you. And, 
And, uh, and then from the same token, and these are born-again believers, and by the same token, I've had uh, African-American people come up to me. Uh, you're out there with those white people. Right? Weren't we born again? Weren't we one new new Weren't the color line washed away with the blood? You know? And, um, and but they say, you're, you're out there with them or something. And so there's this thought that, you know, although we are all born again believers, it's us against them, or, or that, you know, and it's, it's sometimes I'm saying, and yeah. of course not all the time, but I don't think you really see that, and I don't think I don't think the body of Christ at large um, understands how far they are into practices that they may even sit there and clap and say, oh, that's not me when somebody's talking yeah. until they get in situations yeah. where they have to choose how to live life. Yeah. Right? And choose yeah. how the cross is going to affect the way they live yeah. life as it pertains to yeah. my prejudice or really, yeah. I mean, my my sin against my brother. Yeah. My sin against how I see my brother. Yes. So, Man, that's good right there. Oh yeah, I, 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 when you talk, talking, I remember hearing it said, like, a diverse church starts with a diverse dinner table, yeah. right? Yeah. And, it's like, and so it's, it's like, no, it, it's, it's, a lot of it's going to be in a relationship, and then, but even when it goes to um, the area of church, it's, it's, I think, my hope for for us as, uh, I think it is a, a, a right conversation to have, especially in the St. Louis region. Right. right. This with the history that we've had and the implications of race, race over the years that one, I think most people just don't even realize, yeah, you know, is the history of our time. And, right. and so when we're coming into church, one, I would say my hope is that I want to a degree we'll begin to educate ourselves both of the gospel and then the, and the community and context that we find ourselves in the gospel speaks to that. And secondly, churches that when we talk about uh, multi-ethnic church and diverse church, they so often and I've, and I've said it, as the Lord's called me to lead a predominantly white church, so often one of the things that we already talk about is oftentimes when whites, and it's not intentional at all, um, when they think through diverse, what they think through is let's welcome minorities and ask the minorities to be what we are versus who, who is the Lord bringing in that minority and you embrace who they are, and you embrace their culture, their feel, and allow that to impact you where it's mutuality, yeah. all right? And I think, that, I think my hope is we have more churches like that, yeah. more churches that are looking at, and then the next, I just think we need kingdom churches. Where, there's no one church gonna do this thing, right? right. right. Yeah. And I think we, as we look at ourselves being kingdom churches to unite, Cry out to the Lord together, serve Him. I think we begin to be the answer to Jesus' prayer and Gospel of John. Yeah. That we would be one, and by that, the world will see. Yeah. And I, I just think we, I think we need to redeem the yeah. kingdom mindset in the St. Louis region. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, Amen, Amen. Yeah. What are some more reasons to be hopeful? I mean, just because there is, it is messy, and um, I know that. It, our community, have some African American brothers and sisters that would feel discouraged about things and like uh, and uh, feel the tension. You know, they see it with the gospel, they see the hope, they read Revelation, you know, five, and then they look at what's going on and there's progress, but it's just not there. So how how do you pastor people through the hope of the, you know the current condition or, or the thing that they experience? I mean, they experience. Um, some pretty terrible things. Yeah. 
Well, um, how I've had to encourage myself. Okay. Um, I think going back to what I shared earlier about Dr. King and what I've in, in, in times of struggle, um, when, when you're walking through things, um, not just in society, but when society bleeds into the church and the church, and you're, so me as a black man called to lead a predominantly uh, white church with a lot of people who won't understand um, the essence of what I mean when I talk about issues of race, right? And not only not understand it, but they will be the ones on social media saying things that that um, that I would deeply feel like, and that is offensive right, right. to anybody, right? Yeah. Um, so when I'm struggling, I'm looking, I'm going to my wife and I'm, I'm leaving, I'm going to the black church. <laughs> I'm going to the black church. Well, one that is the answer the Lord just kindly, and that has never been the answer. The black church did accept Dr. King as much as the white church too at times. Um, but but when I submit myself to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ and be reminded of a couple things. One, same with Dr. King, that he experienced the, the presence of the divine. And, and when he got wrapped up in the bigness and the glory of God, that became... His courage that became the fuel, and really sounds simple, but it's like you gotta, you gotta be so overwhelmed by who God is to stay encouraged, and that He, because He's so glorious, beautiful, and right, He's big enough that He is going to bring the story to the end, even though in your little sliver of the chapter it doesn't look like it, He will. He yeah. will do that. And then also, um, when they're struggling and you want to run, it's just what the Lord directly teaches me. like, no, you just lay your life down. I've called you. I've called you to die to self. Yeah. I've called you to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So when you say me, 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 it's actually no more about you. You die. It's not Christ. Mm -hmm. So how is your posture, even in the midst of discouragement, modeling the reality that you died by Christ the right way? Yeah, wow. So... If you guys would, would would mind answering this question, could you just what's something that you feel like on the topic of race that um, that white people just don't understand? Like they're just like it's it's just like man, if I could, there's just one thing about this issue of race that they're just not getting help help people understand that. My first thought is I would I think that I've learned it's not helpful. Uh, to uh, categorically say white people don't understand. Mm -hmm. you know, I just think there's um, the same way it's not helpful to think categorically blacks do yeah. understand. You yeah. know? Um, so I would start there and I think I think some of the things that if I double clicked in there and, and then double click on the nuance, the bullet point nuances that I've experienced and sometimes it's um, I think one, it's a, a lack of understanding a lack of understanding of history and the impact of history on the now. Mm -hmm. um, and a lack of understanding, there, there is chronological amnesia, right? And then, and then that was yesterday. And yesterday happened. And there's this, this wall that came from me between yesterday and today. So what happened yesterday has no impact on today. Actually, not so much, right? That's that's actually not how history works itself out, right? That, that, that when something happens, it takes a couple generations to actually play out the essence. That's not how trauma works. That's not how trauma works. Yeah. So understanding, I have to have a, a robust, and I would say usually in my conversations, that that's usually a, the conversation I'm really having is a lot of history and forming, talking about trauma. So understanding that when we talk about the issues of race, we're actually talking from two different levels. You get to talk about it from the essence of your, from your, from your head, as in a, a thing to thought about, a think about, a thing to kind of analyze and process. 
But blacks, yeah. we don't have that, that luxury. We gotta talk from the heart because yeah. it's something we experience. It's trauma we've experienced. So therefore, you gotta understand we're talking about from two different levels. And so I would, I, as both parties, but especially whites, to, yeah. to lean in with the understanding yeah. and hear the heart when you're talking to the head. Yeah, yeah and, and understanding that, that, you know, what has gone on in America when it comes to race has affected everything. And most of all, it's affected mentality. And so a lot of times when you when you, you you're tempted to look at somebody and say, Well, I don't understand, why don't they this or why don't they this or whatever. But the the toll that it's taken on the mentality and walking up out of a mentality, it it, it doesn't happen overnight. And so and and you know, some people were affected deeper than others. I mean, right. and and so it, uh, and, they're, and we're talking about family lines. We're talking about opportunities that were never had. We're talking about how to fit, you know, family, how to fix finances, how to fix opportunities, um, what you believe you're able to do, collegiate, you know, as far as, you know, education. And so it, it affects everything. And as my brother was saying, history, uh, talking about history, history affects everything. And uh, it, um, yeah, so I mean, I think that's an understanding that it, you have, well, well, this is a new generation, this is a new people, well, there's more opportunities on the table. Um, yeah, but, you know, first of all, there's still, you know, um, you know, racism sometimes still touches um, what's available and what's not available. Uh, and and I don't think everybody sees this. I think they see, well, this America, you can be anything you want. Well, there's still states in America to where, while that's said, it's not as easy as it is in other states. And so, it, you know, it's, you know, just the, the thought that, again, History affects everything, and, and it affects everyone differently. And as he said, it, it takes generations to come up out of it. But again, the, the mentality is the huge thing. You don't you don't change mentality overnight. I remember hearing. I, I thought you know when they when they hit the Gulf War, and I thought I was young, and, and I thought man, things are really going to change over there. And I can remember an older guy saying this. He said he said Darnell, he said thousands of years of a mentality will never be changed in a couple of years. Yeah. He said not even in the next hundred years. Mm. He said in the next few hundred years, they'll see progress mm. because of what's happened now. Mm. And I thought, oh my goodness, a few hundred years, who has their time, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, <laughs> right, right, nobody does. But yeah, it's just history affects everything. So we have, I mean, we're, what I'm picking up on some of the things you guys have said is it's like there may be uh, some progress in a lack of overt racism, but there's still some things under the surface. Uh, even when you look at St. Louis in particular, uh, fairly segregated. Uh, so how, like, how does that, so that tells me like there's a, an apprehension uh, to really understand uh, the other person and really embrace other cultures. You were talking about this a little bit about what is it, what, what in the gospel, what can we reach in the gospel to get past even 
you know, to get past that and, and really learn to embrace each other. And like you were saying, not just, hey, come to, to my mm -hmm. culture, but how can we... I got, I got, I got it. Got it. Uh, the, the secret. Okay. The secret, right? To take out your notebooks. This is a deep one. Okay. <clears throat> this is called love, man. It really is. It's, it's called love. It's the thing that motivated God to leave triune glory and move into the neighborhood of a people infinitely opposite than who he was. Infinitely opposite than what he could relate And to incarnate himself, love sent him and then love moved him to lay down his life for the people who did not look like him and were not like him at all. And then he picked it up so that they could be brought into a relationship to this person who they are nothing like. And so we are now equipped to love him and love neighbors. And so I just, it seems so simple. Uh, I know, obviously, we have to live this thing out. Um, that's what I, I think justice is. Um, my definition is love and action. Because in the, the New Testament, I don't think there's one command to do justice at all. Wow, yeah, Mike 6 eight do justice, but nowhere. Yeah. Because justice got trumped by love because Justice is a fruit of love. Yeah, because good. you are going to want to do good yes. to the person that yes. you love. Yes. Especially if they're being mistreated in yes. a way that's not consistent wow. with wow. Amago Day. Yes. So that just, as I was looking at that, I'm hearing you saying, I'm like, oh, that, that's revolutionary. Yeah. And, and, and so yeah. we're praying for a, uh, not to be cliche, but a real love revolution yeah. Yeah. that real. reaches the feet. Yeah. And that um, I, I encourage, uh, especially our white brothers and sisters in the in the area, um, find a, a, a under-resourced community near you, uh, uh, some friends that don't look like you, and, and get to the table, get to the community center, get to the grocery store, with them, and just walk with them. Yeah. And, and I'll, you know, and I I'm right with you there. And I'll take it to another place. I think African Americans need to find some Caucasian brothers and sisters because there are things that they have to offer one another, and it's not just one side. I mean, and uh, and of course, again, I could talk about some experience with that, but it's not just one side. I think we have to define what love is because when the church hears love, they think something. That I, I don't necessarily think that I think it's a part of love, and I think it's the fruit of some of, some of the fruit of love, mm -hmm. but it's it's not the root of love. So yeah. so what it, you know what is love? Is love coming and being here with some of my white brothers and sisters? That's not love. Mm -hmm. It's a fruit of love. Yeah. You know, it's a byproduct of love. Yeah. It's not love. I think at the core. Love is the willingness to change my mind and to act differently, you know, to change my mind 
So my intact. Intact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think at the core is to change my mind, have a change of mind, a change of heart, and to act in accordance with my mind and my heart at all times. You know, and it's not just a feeling. It's not just coming and shaking hands. It's not just a hug. It's, you know, I've changed my mind about my African-American brothers and sisters. I've changed my mind and my heart. There's been a heart change against my Caucasian uh, brothers and sisters. And I think that's what love does. I think if we, I think if we take love and we, we just say, just love, I think the temptation for us is just, oh, you know, we, you know, we, we sat here together, you know, I love, yeah, that's love. And again, it's a byproduct. But see, now if I never challenge those thoughts that are circling around in my mind yeah. when I see another black kid get, get gunned down, or if, if, if as a black man I don't challenge the thoughts that's in my mind when I see a white cop get shot, something's wrong. You know, and so we can we can play the game, yeah. you know, of each other, you know, sitting next to each other in church. Oh, we love each other. I'm not prejudiced. But at the root, have we had a change of mind and have we had a change of heart? And the only person that can do that is Jesus. Yeah. Right. Amen. And the gospel is the yeah. power of the gospel in renewing our minds. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's good. And, and, and that, that change then begins to. Uh, um, look like a change in the people that eat at my dinner table. Yeah. And, so and for some of us, like my brother said, I mean, mm -hmm. that change looks like a, a change of my zip code. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Change. Now we're talking fighting. Yeah. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Means moving. Yeah. Not right. black people right. to the white. Yes. I mean, right. Not, right. Right. thank you, brother, yeah. for, for highlighting the fact that this yeah. is. A both-sided yeah. thing. We know so much pride in a black heart that could be in a white heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was privileged to move from North St. Louis, where I've grown up all my life, North Side, North Side, you know, to the, the hood, um, to Arnold, Missouri. Now, these are two totally different parts of and so what you're saying there, and people ask me why, and honestly, I face prejudice from my black brothers and that's sisters really, for doing yeah, it. Yeah. They, really. they didn't understand it. And that's why I took all the attention to Dr. King's dream. Mm -hmm. And for, for you, um, Pastor Brian, to talk about it. And, and honestly, I think if we were to go back and look at Dr. King's letter from Birmingham Jail, it is exactly what's going on today. Like, it's exactly what's going on today. And, um, and it's so interesting as you, as you look at it and as you read it and as you hear it's heart, not just for one particular race, although we understand the injustices that were predominant at the time, but his heart for us to have all things in common. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You know? And so... Anyway, I just, I think for all of us to, I think the thing you said there for us, you know, the, when the love of God is, um, and it has to be the love of God, not, it has to be agape, it has to be supernatural, it has, you know, of course God, uh, my family was really prejudiced because my family grew up in the deep south, you know, and, uh, and they actually came to St. Louis because of some stuff that was going on, that, you know, 
prejudices and things like that and racism. And um, and I, you know, to me, you know, I dealt with this in my on my family side, and so I know what it feels like to be black and prejudiced, yeah. you know, and, uh, and but not act like it, right, yeah. right, because we can't be prejudiced, yeah. right. Yeah. And so I know what that feels like, but I also as a white man, I know what it's like to face yeah. injustice and yeah. prejudice and yeah. racism from some of our Caucasian brothers and sisters. And honestly, yeah. you know, I know we're talking about that right now, but as I travel the globe, you can face it in any area. But to leave the comfort of your home, to take, you know, the Ohio's, take a walk across the room, right? yeah. you know, and and talk to someone, care for someone. Yeah. Um, um, ask questions and go deep with someone yeah. that's not like you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it takes a new heart, which yeah. only Jesus can give. Yeah. And I think it takes a work of the cross. Kenton, would you pray for us and pray for uh, just, I mean, I'd love for you to pray for my church. I'm sure uh, the journey would love that as well as Church in Action. Pray for our church. But to pray for uh, the wider uh, body of church in St. Louis, in Missouri, in our region, and just that the gospel would shine through. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we we cry out and we get to call you our Father. Every color, every nation, every race, you've purchased the people, Lord. And so we praise you that we can call you our Father. We thank you that our hope for true racial reconciliation does not lie in our round tables, does not lie in our ideas, but it lies in the finished work of the cross. We thank you and we praise you that the dividing of a wall of hostility was broken down by a blood-soaked tree, Lord, and now uh, Lord, you have made one new man and we praise you, Lord. We join you in your prayer in John 17 that our churches and your global church would be one. And so we thank you, Lord, that you promise the work that you started uh, in Christ Jesus. You will complete in your people until the day we see him. And so we give you glory and praise. Uh, we say continue that work, finish that work, and come and uh, receive your multi-ethnic bride to yourself, Lord. We pray this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks. 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 Thanks.